It's our job to tell better stories. And always remember, it's the risk takers that are rewarded. People are sick and tired of being marketed to, and they're sick and tired of being sold. The single biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers are buying different Hey everyone, it's your host Edward Ford and welcome to the Growth of Podcast, the show about all things B2B SaaS marketing. This podcast is brought to you by Advanced B2B, the growth marketing agency that helps B2B SaaS businesses generate sustainable revenue growth through marketing. So if you're looking for an agency partner who will help you get measurable results from your marketing, then check out advancedb2b.com for more info. Now joining us today on the show is Anna Holopainen, Head of Growth at Kida Science. And in this episode, we're talking about the blockers stopping you from growing. Now, all marketing teams are focused on one main objective, growing the business. But instead of just looking at ways to grow the business, we need to invert the problem and look at what's stopping us from growing so that we can either overcome or avoid them. In this episode, Anna joins us to share some of these blockers, including typical growth and marketing related reasons why you're not getting results, why you should never start to uncover growth blockers with a marketing audit, a simple four-step process to identify what's stopping you from growing, how to make sense of your data by putting it into context, and also how to identify growth opportunities if you don't have access to almost any data at all. So this is an absolute must-listen episode. So here we go with episode 79 of the Growth Hub podcast with Anna Holopainen, Head of Growth at Kidder Science. Welcome to another episode of the Growth Hub podcast. And it's my pleasure to welcome Anna Holopainen to the show, who is Head of Growth at Kidder Science. So Anna, thank you so much for joining us today here on the Growth Hub podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Yes. I'm super, super excited as we have an awesome topic, which is the blockers stopping you from growing. And I think we'll also look at how to overcome them. So we have a ton of stuff to cover with lots of examples, but I was thinking to kick things off, what then are some of the typical growth and marketing related reasons why you're not getting results? Yeah. So as a consultant, I uh, talk to a lot of B2B startups and their founders, and there's definitely a couple of different patterns that I keep seeing, um, regardless of the industry or the growth model or, or whatnot. So I like to actually divide these into um, two separate like levels or buckets or categories or whatever you want to call them. So um, the bucket number two is growth model or strategy related. Um, this is like a wider bucket that includes everything from business to um, product to alignment between the teams. Um, bucket number two is anything marketing related. That's actually exactly what it sounds like. So those are the two um, different categories. And it's really important to identify where your bottlenecks fall into. And if I, yeah, I can just uh, break those down real quick. So basically bucket number two, uh, so growth um, or growth model, growth strategy related. So these issues are typically, um, I would say company-wide or more company-wide, more complex and a bit harder to uncover as well. And this is either because um, they are people related. Uh, so for instance, different people have different perceptions of what's actually going on in the company or because the information is siloed. And this is the first thing you really need to understand because the rest of the process um, on how to uncover this bottleneck is uh, going to look very different if your company doesn't have a viable growth model. Um, some of the most common scenarios here is that, or actually the first and I think a surprisingly common scenario is that there is actually no market product fit or there is no growth model, no viable growth model in place. Um, and this means that as a marketer, you simply, you're simply too early to the party, I could say, uh, because if there's no market product fit or even like a market problem fit, uh, it's really painful for a marketer to try and prove their worth. 
Um, and I would say that in this case, there's typically not much you can do because the founder or the CEO should own the growth strategy. And you really, you, you can't really also outsource it to uh, the marketing team or even to the growth function. Uh, so that's the first scenario. Um, another scenario is that there is a strategy or a growth model, but there's no clear focus and um, or alignment across different functions or uh, between different functions. And this means that uh, different teams have really different uh, ideas of the ICP, of what your product is and for whom you're building it, um, and so on. And if it's a very sales-heavy organization, um, um, chances are that your marketing and sales are not actually aligned, even though they think they are, uh, when it comes to things like you know, demand capture processes, data, and especially feedback loops. So this tends to happen more with sales-led organizations because simply because there is more people involved, but it can also happen in a product-led organization. And this is basically the bucket number one, so like growth-related issues. Um, and the bucket number two is uh, marketing-related issues. So these issues are typically a little bit easier to uncover because there are fewer moving parts. Uh, one, one very common scenario is that if uh, that your company is mainly using, um, I would say, linear tactics that are not scalable and don't yield compounding results. So I'm talking about things like for startups, it could be press, you know, product hunt, um, individual salespersons, networks and so on. And for uh, more established companies, it could be, you know, ads that are not actually generating good enough ROI. And the problem with these channels is kind of obvious. So they will eventually become ineffective and they are, they are not very repeatable over the long term. And they also require a ton of manual work to set up and to manage. Um, and especially with a small team and limited resources, this can create um, overhead that is simply too large to manage, if that makes sense. Uh, so that's one common scenario. And another common scenario is that you are doing things that could scale but you are not using the best possible channels or tactics compared to the general awareness in the market. That's one thing, thing that I like to look at and also how motivated your potential buyers are to solve the problem your product solves for them. Uh, so for instance, you're thinking lead generation when you should be thinking demand generation uh, or even getting in front of a very small niche audience before trying to appeal to um, the larger market. And um, the final scenario in this bucket is that marketing is doing a lot of things. They're actually doing way too many things, uh, but they don't necessarily have, um, how would I say, like a reasoned hypothesis based on which to act on. So they're just essentially doing things without a solid understanding of the growth model. And don't get me wrong, I've also been there, so definitely not pointing fingers at anyone. Uh, but one good example of this uh, could be that, um, let's say you're doing um, SEO, like doing SEO, <laughs> but you haven't really figured out what part SEO content plays in your growth engine. Is it awareness? Is it uh, thought leadership? Is it high intent SEO targeting very specific pain points? Or maybe it's not relevant at all for the time being, but you're still doing it. And the problem is that if you haven't figured all this out, chances are that you are not doing things, uh, the right things, and you are actually spreading your resources to thing. And that's the reason why you're not getting results. Uh, so yeah, these are the marketing related bottlenecks that I keep seeing a lot. Yeah, these are great to hear. And I think a lot of people could relate to what you've discussed there. So first off, fixing a lot of internal issues, getting everyone aligned, not just in marketing across the company, 
And then looking within marketing, figuring out what we should be doing, identifying scalable activities and, and then executing well. And I know some people like to start off by performing a marketing audit to figure out what's actually going on and what opportunities do we have to grow? What are the bottlenecks? But you're not a fan of this approach. So why should you never start from a marketing performance audit? Yeah, that's a super good question. So again, I've been there, so I'm kind of speaking from experience. <laughs> So uh, as you mentioned, most marketers really, they like to start from uh, some sort of audits. And, and at first, I think that actually makes perfect sense to do so or to think so, especially when you're on the lookout for, you know, quick wins and immediate results and you are really under pressure to deliver. Uh, but instead of looking those, you know, things like um, website copy or um, performance of individual channels um, or even rushing into conducting content audits or SEO audits, I would actually look into a little bit higher level things first. And this is, there's a very simple reason for this. It's simply because you need some context to your data. Like everything you're going to get out of your audits needs a context, right? Um, if you don't know what's a viable growth model for your business, how are you going to tell if those numbers uh, are actually making sense? That's impossible. Obviously, it's not this black and white, and you can get a ton of useful data just by looking into um, what people are searching on Google and so forth. But I like to highlight this because people tend to jump into tactical things, um, especially when they are under pressure to, to, to deliver um, immediate results. But when you have this understanding, when you understand what is the viable growth model for your business, what's a viable and scalable growth model for your business, you can give the rest of the leadership team a little bit more context that helps them as non-marketers, and this is important, the rest of the leadership team are not marketers, uh, that helps them uh, to understand why getting immediate results with your current ways of working and current channels and current approaches is often impossible. So this is the simple reason I would never start from conducting marketing audits. Right, awesome. So if that's what not to do, how can you actually identify the most important bottlenecks? And do you have a simple process that you could talk us through? Yeah, I do. And actually, the process is so simple. I wouldn't even call it a framework. It's really a couple of steps. But I've just noticed that following this, um, following the simple process uh, that I'm going to outline in a second, helps you focus on the right things and identify those blockers. And this is what I've done for a couple of uh, clients of mine when I worked as a consultant as well. Um, so there are four steps to it. Uh, step, num step number one is to understand your current um, growth model and growth strategy, and also other possible viable growth models or strategies for your business. This is super important. There's never just one um, growth model that could work for your business. There's typically a lot of variations of that. Uh, step number two is to get some audience and user insights, but it doesn't necessarily make sense to go too deep into that. You just need the basic understanding at this point. Um, and step number three is actually conducting uh, the marketing audits, uh, current state analysis. So yes, you're going to do those. It's just not going to be the first thing you're going to do. And step, step number four is going to be um, an action plan, action, uh, coming up with action items, making an action plan, and also, if needed, getting buy-in from key stakeholders. So this is the four-step process. Yes, I love it. The simpler, the better. So it was understand your current growth model, get user and audience insights, conduct the audit, and then build the action plan. So can you talk us through an example of how you've used this 
step-by-step -step framework in practice? Yeah, absolutely. It's really quite simple. So the step number one is to, as, as I mentioned, is to understand your current growth model and other possible viable growth models as well. So uh, this is at the heart of, heart, heart of everything. So it's going to be the first thing you do. And in many cases, it can really take some time and, and multiple discussions to understand where the organic growth and revenue is coming from. And also what parts of the business or product are kept alive without them actually contributing to growth. So this is basically just discussing uh, with the leadership team, discussing with everyone involved in the growth engine, as I like to say, and digging into some numbers. But it's it's mainly just discussing with the with the team. And you really need to understand how your business grows and how your business sells to your ideal customers. So this, this is step number one. Um, step number two is to get some audience and user insights uh, to sort of like strengthen your understanding of what, uh, what growth models are actually viable, viable for your business at the moment. Some of the growth models that you are uh, thinking about or the leadership team is thinking about could be viable in two years, but not necessarily right now because of things like uh, technical capabilities, you're maybe not able to support um, certain APIs or certain integrations as of yet, but you can do that in two years or in two months even. So this is a really important distinction. What is viable right now and what's going to be viable in two years or, or in the future? Um, um, so yeah, but I would, I would uh, continue by conducting a little bit of target audience research. So, you know, again, talking to key stakeholders and aiming to identify the high level ICP or different segments. And there's a ton of good resources about on, on, on how to do this. So I'm not going to go into details, but uh, just getting a basic, you know, a 70% understanding is, is more than enough at this point. It doesn't need to be perfect. And another part um, is to start talking to obviously your ideal and also not so ideal clients, your ideal prospects in the pipeline, you know, listening to sales call recordings, you know, the basic stuff that everybody is hopefully already doing. Uh, but also closed one and closed lost feedback calls. This is uh, something that I found to be extremely useful. And uh, with one of the companies that I've worked with, after talking to some ideal prospects and closed lost cases, like ideal closed lost cases, we actually realized that what we thought was the ideal client profile was actually way too advanced for them at that point uh, compared to their technological capabilities at that time. So they what they had to do uh, was to readjust their ICP um, and start targeting a little bit less technologically advanced companies first, while sim uh, simultaneously building up their product capabilities on the site. So that really helped them focus on the right things. So that was step number two, to get some audience and user insights. Uh, it can be also product use data, uh, depending on what kind of business uh, business you have, uh, but it's typically it typically contains a lot of uh, <laughs> customer calls. <laughs> That's the one thing that doesn't change. And step number three is actually now we're getting to the infamous uh, marketing audits. So you're actually going to conduct a current state analysis and auditing your marketing performance. And this can also include some sales um, performance audits, some product onboarding stuff, if it's relevant for your business. So always, uh, there's no uh, like one framework for this. Always take what's relevant for your business. That kind of goes without saying. But now the main point is that now that you understand how your company should be growing, because you have uh, talked to your leadership team, you've talked to your product people, 
and how your customers are buying and what benefits they are expecting. And also you understand, or you should understand based on those discussions, uh, what channels should be driving growth and how, based on things like awareness, say, um, let's say general awareness in the market and, and, and how motivated these people are to actually solve this problem. Um, the next thing is to work your way, um, I would say up the funnel, starting from revenue and basically just audit all the channels that should be driving revenue, either directly or indirectly. And oftentimes there are a lot of channels that are kind of like nice to have, you know, newsletters and stuff like that. Uh, I know a ton of startup, startups and scale-ups are sending out newsletters um, and, and that's fine if you have resources, but if it's not driving revenue, either directly or indirectly, you shouldn't be doing that. And that's that's the hard truth. At, at this point, you should know if it's if it's um, if it's driving re revenue or if it should be driving revenue. And basically this conducting these audits will give you an idea of like what's actually going on. All those like basically the question you're going to get answers to is that is or those are those channels the channels that you're currently using or the tactics that you're currently using are they ideal for you to begin with or is it more of an execution problem because sometimes it can also be an execution problem but i think um typically it's a question of whether the channel is actually good for you or not so um, let me just give you an example. So with one of the companies that I work with, uh, the company actually told me uh, that SEO was one of their main growth drivers. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, it's a scalable channel. So yeah, let's go with this assumption. But we actually quickly noticed that one of their, a lot of their articles were getting traffic. And one of their articles was getting, I think, four or five uh, 5,000 5, visits a month, which is quite a lot already for a startup. Uh, but it wasn't converting. So none of this traffic was converting. So when I looked into it and um, I installed lead feeder and I looked into web analytics and I realized that none of the traffic was converting because it was all wrong audience to begin with. So, you know, instead of European business founders, all those visits were from, um, I think, American and Indian, like undergrad students looking to learn from, thing, I don't know, like pricing strategies or whatever, something very generic. So what we did is that we switched the focus to a more pain point SEO approach and started targeting more niche, more bottom funnel, bottom funnel uh, keywords to attract more educated buyers. And it actually worked. So that was a good example of, of why you should know your audience and the growth model uh, before you start conducting those um, audits, so to speak. And the step number four is to make the action plan. So now you know uh, if the problem is in channel choices or execution, you understand the growth model and uh, viable growth models. The next step is to make an action plan and, you know, execute. <laughs> and there are a couple of things to keep in mind when doing that. So I would always introduce quick fixes that speak directly to your leadership's pain points. Um, and I would say, regardless of whether you have the mandate to act or if you need a permission or if you need more budget, I would still do that. And the other thing is that if you have to make big bets based on little to no data, um, that's a very common scenario um, in my experience, always make sure to diversify your bets enough, especially if you need to do something the rest of the leadership doesn't like. 
And the one final thing is that always have a plan B ready if uh, you need to go with a smaller budget or if you can actually do it with a bigger budget. So if they give you a go, you can just you know push the button, push the button and go. That's super important that you always have that uh, sorted out. Um, yeah, and one thing that I would add here is that, okay, you have the action plan, right? Uh, but it's equally important to um, get to message through, so to speak, and to get buy-in. And there's a couple of things that I would suggest doing. So before talking to the whole management team, hey, we need to change our approach like radically. We need to stop doing these things that we've been doing for the past, I don't know, two years and start doing something entirely else. That can be a little bit of a shock. So I would always talk to each key stakeholder individually and try and get them to vote for you at least partially. So that's something that I found to be very effective. And obviously make sure to include other functions perspectives and especially the ones that are, um, let's say priorities to the leadership and incorporate those in all your suggestions, suggestions as well. And a couple of other things about communication, such as, um, you know, make sure to communicate with empathy. Sometimes I found that uh, this means taking more of a yes and approach. One of my favorite ways of incorporating other people's um, approaches or perspectives or perceptions into your, your plan is uh, using the I like, I like, I wonder um, framework. So basically take two things that you like about the current approach or their approach. So I like that you're, um, you're I don't know, uh, incorporating some of the ways that are, um, let's say, direct competitors are doing. And I really like the way that you are using data to back it up. But I wonder if we could make this um, even more effective if we did X, Y, and Z, if you know what I mean. So that's a really, really good way to get a buy-in if there's a little bit of... Um, um, confusion, what you guys, what you should be doing. And finally, uh, and this is really important to tell a story with the data that you have. So I already mentioned that you only need the data that's relevant for your business. Uh, there's going to be a ton of different channels that you could audit, but you don't want to do that. You only want to take the data that's relevant for your business and tell a story with the data that resonates at the business level and tie marketing numbers back to business with leading and lagging metrics. Um, I don't know, let's say that you wanted to predict the total like subscription revenue generated. So you're gonna form a branch of metrics that could look something like, you know, the leading indicator being like number of people uh, creating like banner ads, for instance, or, 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 or like hours spent creating banner ads or whatever. This is a bad example, but <laughs> you get the point. Then you have another leading indicator, you know, uh, how, many, how many banner ads you actually have or how many ad campaigns you have and how that sort of like uh, forecasts uh, the outcome. And then you have something like outcome uh, related metric that's something between a leading and a lagging indicator. Uh, you know, how many people are actually seeing it, like impressions or something like that. And then you finally have the impact. So what's the total subscription revenue generated through those banner ads? This is a bad example, but you probably get the point. So this is my four-step process. I know it's a lot to take in, uh, but it's really a very simple process if you think about it. It's time for a commercial. Now, this podcast is brought to you by Advanced B2B an advanced B2B helps B2B SaaS companies from all around the world 
find their way to sustainable growth through marketing. And we have a special offer for listeners of the Growth Up podcast. You can go to advancedb2b.com slash TGH and get a free assessment of your marketing, plus some ideas you'll be able to implement right away. So go to advancedb2b.com slash TGH for more info. Yeah, it was awesome to hear that in practice and to have you walk through the four steps and show what does it actually mean in practice and how you can then take this framework and, and put it into use. And you mentioned data and you also mentioned context earlier. So let's focus on that as it's one big piece of the growth puzzle. And a lot of the time your data is all over the place, but you need clean and accurate data to identify what's stopping you from growing and what opportunities you have to fix it. So what if your data is disorganized? How can you make sense of it by putting it into context? Um, yeah, so that's a very good question, actually, because I kind of touched on that already. So basically, basically, a lot of times you have a lot of data because you start from the wrong place. You start from those audits, you start from individual channels, you start from something that doesn't have a context and it's not necessarily even relevant for your company and, and your marketing org. So uh, you'll end up, if you do this, you'll just end up with a lot of data that has no context. And it's really easy to create that 80 page, you know, deck reporting on all kinds of data that you have. Uh, but the key is to tell a story with the data. And to be able to tell a story with the data, you really need to understand the context. I feel like I'm already repeating myself, but it's just such a key piece uh, to this puzzle. Um, so you can leave out uh, relevant data and only look at what makes sense. And getting back to what I said about leading a lagging metrics, I think that is a really, really important piece to this as well. So you need to be able to tell a story that sort of like forms a chain of metrics that actually explains to everyone and not just the marketing team, not just your marketing analysts, what's going on and how each individual piece of the puzzle actually affects the second, uh, the next one. Um, let's say that you have, um, I'm just going to come up with an example. So let's say you have a high touch sales funnel and you're doing content marketing. And obviously, uh, if you start with those, uh, marketing audits, you're going to end up with a lot of data about things like, um, how many visits you have each month. What's your, I don't know, bounce rate. That's one metric that I hate, by the way. Uh, it's my, uh, <laughs> one of my favorite pet peeves, uh, when people report on that. Uh, but anyways, uh, but you can pull a lot of reports that don't have any context, right? Um, from, I don't know, like marketing automation tool, web analytics. There's so many things you could do. But let's say it's a high-touch sales funnel and you're doing content marketing. That also already gives you some context, right? So most likely your content is not going to be driving any direct conversions. Obviously that can happen, but most likely it, it has some other... Um, um, purpose or goal. So you could, for instance, pull reports from your different tools, web analytics tools, and 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 so forth to see what content pieces are consumed during the sales process or prior high intent conversions, for instance. So how what what content pieces are actually attributing to revenue uh, indirectly or directly? In this case, probably indirectly. Um, but then again, it probably doesn't make sense or wouldn't make sense to look at things like um, last touch attribution only, or I don't know, awareness ad performance without any wider context. Um, what are the other campaigns that these awareness ads should be um, supporting, so to speak. 
So it really all boils down to your growth model and how you sell to your customers. And then you sort of like work your way up the funnel, starting from revenue and only take that data into account. Yeah, this is awesome to hear. And I think the other challenge some marketers might face is at the other end of the scale, so a lack of data, which you also mentioned earlier. So let's dig into this um, for those who are in that situation. So what if you just don't have enough data available to draw conclusions from? Yeah, that's a surprisingly common scenario. So don't feel bad if you're in this situation, don't feel bad about it, really. It can happen for so many different reasons. So um, if it's a new company, if it's a new product, uh, if it's a new sales model, you know, you just pivoted your company strategy, you simply don't have enough data, right? Another very common scenario is that your data, you have data, but it's not clean. So, you know, salespeople haven't been uh, using the CRM, right? This happens in every second company, at least. <laughs> or you have, um, you, you might have problems, you know, I don't know, putting everything together and, you know, integrating platforms. This is also a very common scenario. So don't feel bad about it. That's my number one advice because that happens in every second company. Uh, but as a rule of thumb, I would recommend if you don't have enough data um, available to draw conclusions from of, or, or if your data is, uh, let's say, disorganized or not clean, I would actually recommend starting uh, still like trying try and start with the quantitative analysis. But if it's impossible, you can uh, take what you have and use that as a starting point for qualitative uh, research. So that would be the things that I mentioned earlier, um, listening to sales calls, uh, talking to a couple of um, a couple of ideal clients or closed list cases, or even like conducting surveys on high indent um, web pages or, or, or in-app surveys or whatever makes sense to your business, basically. Um, but if there's really, like, if the situation is so bad that you have no data whatsoever, uh, it, it's not actually that bad because um, you can just talk to a couple of, if, if, you, if, if the situation is, um, like, let's say, if you have everything figured out, uh, before this step, if you have a growth model, if you have a focus, uh, you're actually in a good place to start conducting uh, qualitative research because you've already focused. Uh, you you have you already have focus on your ICP. You already know who you're targeting, uh, what kind of um, things they are expecting to get, uh, like benefits they're getting, expecting to get out of your product, and so on. So you you can. Do you, you can conduct as little as five interviews and you're probably pretty good, uh, well off uh, doing this and you don't actually need that, uh, let's say, quantitative data. So I know it's uh, really scary not to have that and, you know, try to um, try to base your arguments or suggestions based on uh, five interviews only. But if you know what you're looking for, you're actually going to find patterns from those interviews pretty quickly. So it isn't that bad of a situation after all. I hope this helps somebody who's in this situation. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think this is great advice because when people think of data, they often just default to quantitative numbers in a spreadsheet, in a chart, exactly. in Google Analytics. But yes, that's part of it. But there's so much value in qualitative data and just like speaking, uh, generating your own primary research and, and using that, that it just is such a game changer for marketers. So awesome to hear. So I think we could now wrap up and move on to our closing questions and our fast five challenge. So to finish, I will ask five questions and all you need to do is answer as quickly as possible. So Anna, are you ready? 
Awesome. Let's do it. All right. First question. I know you're a fan of books, so this is probably a hard one for you, but what would be the one book you would recommend others to read? Yeah, so I was trying to think about a book that someone else hasn't recommended yet. So I um, I would recommend everyone to read, not just marketers, but everyone to read Thinking in Systems by Donella Meros. It's a very easy read um, and it's a primer to system thinking. And I think it's definitely a good read to everyone in marketing. Yeah, absolutely. Great shout out there. Second question, a SaaS company you love and why? Um, yeah, this is also not an easy easy one, but I've currently fallen in love with uh, with the sales intelligence tool called Avoma that we're actually using uh, in my company. And um, yeah, it's a sales intelligence tool that emphasizes like collaborative features, and that's something that I really love. So I love that they have recognized that the value of the product doesn't really come from um, how would I say the core users only, um, and it's actually also why they let you invite free like passive users so to speak so people who are listening to sales calls in addition to the paid active contributors so that would be the salespeople recording their calls so this is i think it's a really really great way to share information across the whole organization mm, that sounds like a super smart idea third question then favorite place to learn about marketing online yeah, this is also a hard one. <laughs> so, but I'm going to say Lenny's newsletter and community, the Slack community, uh, because as a SaaS marketer, I think uh, it's really important to understand what, what's going on on the product side of things. I'm really intrigued, um, intrigued um, about that. And it's really, really great to read all those stories that product people are, you know, uh, sharing uh, in the community. So I would totally recommend that to all SaaS marketers. Cool. Fourth question, most important growth metric. Uh, I think this also depends on the context, but I'm going to say, because I mostly work with relatively early stage SaaS startups. So I think I'm going to say um, payback, uh, payback period, because it doesn't make sense to measure, uh, you know, LTV um, or CAC or court retention yet. And I think revenue is a little bit too high level. So that would be one really great metric for startups i would say awesome and then final question best piece of advice for fellow marketers uh, i'm gonna circle back to what i already said about leading and lagging metrics so i think it's super um it's super it's crucial to learn to identify and differentiate between those uh, between le uh, leading and lagging indicators and learn to communicate uh, communicate them clearly to everyone and this will really help you connect with all the other functions and your leadership team and and you know help them learn how each metric affects the next one in the branch so that's going to be my advice awesome well Anna, i'd say it's always a pleasure to chat with you about all things marketing and thank you so much for coming on the growth of podcast it was so much fun thanks for having me that was Anna Holopainen on the blockers stopping you from growing. So thank you so much for listening. And if you're enjoying the show, we'd love for you to leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And as ever, you're always welcome to reach out to me on Twitter at Nordic Edward or connect on LinkedIn. So thank you so much for listening to the Growth of Podcast brought to you by growth marketing agency, Advanced B2B. This is your host, Edward Ford, signing off and make sure you check out advancedb2b.com for more content and resources on everything B2B SaaS growth. It's our job to tell better stories. And always remember, it's the risk takers that are rewarded. People are sick and tired of being marketed to, and they're sick and tired of being sold. The single biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers are buying different